You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. Your weekly look at movies, video games, and more brought to you by your hosts, Ace Scully and Sid Talk. We're addicted to movies. Are you? Good afternoon, Sid Talk. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello, I'm all right. How are you? Very abrupt with your hello. I was moving things along. Tell me something about what we did before the after the show. What we did? Yeah, you know, before the after the show discussion. But the before the after the show discussion wasn't much, was it? Did I miss something? Were you not listening? (laughs) No. Well, we do. We tested some stuff. It was super important, but I'm not going to remind you of it. Tell me. Nope. Tell me. Okay, I don't care. It wasn't anything. I'm just joking. I didn't think so. You see, you're messing with me. Not fair. (laughs) Not fair. All right. So it's Saturday, September the 3rd. This is after the show number 752. We're a movie review podcast. Every week we look at a new movie. This week we're looking at the movie Orphan First Kill. It's a 2022 movie. You can stream it right now. It's rated R and it's from our friends at Paramount. You can stream it on Paramount+. Plus. So Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of Orphan First Kill. A woman who poses as a child and... uh, Spoilers. Quite terrible and people die. I mean, spoilers, yeah. (laughs) Have you seen... (laughs) If you've seen its predecessor. All right, I'll give you the one off the box. After orchestrating a brilliant escape from the Estonian psychiatric facility... Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. Hey, that's accurate. That's the one off the box. Okay, so let's talk about this. The original movie Orphan came out in 2009. We both watched it. I actually loved it. Let's talk about spoilers here of for the first movie from 2009. Hi. In 2009, that movie, what was the uh, hook? Which is the future of this movie. Yeah, this future. is a prequel, yes. Okay. So you go through this whole thing, this family who the woman's an alcohol, uh, recovering alcoholic. She had, unfortunately, a stillbirth child. They're struggling here. She and her husband, she has a deaf daughter and a son who's preteen, early teen. I don't know. And for some reason, they decide to adopt a girl. Well, there's this girl who's an orphan. She's like 10. We're going to put that in quotation marks. Esther. And bring her into the home while the girl turns out to be a psychopathic 30-year-old woman or 35-year-old woman at that point. Yes. And she has a genetic thing that makes her always appear to be about a 10-year-old girl. It's a real thing. It's not made up. Yeah. But uh, this character has that. So you don't know that. And then she just seduces the father and you're like, ooh, she's 10. She's gross. And then it turns around and people die. And she's she's kind of evil. If you believe in evil, this girl. Well, there's like a story where she was at an orphanage and people died at the orphanage and then this nun gets killed and then she kills a bird. I mean, she's terrible. She's terrible. That's in the future. So now we're going to the past to find out how just one more episode of her being like a horrible, wretched human being. Now, what made the first movie special to me, I really enjoyed it and I still enjoy it to this day, is... It plays out like a devil movie or something. Like you think you're watching like The Omen or something. That's how it kind of goes. And you're kind of, because you've watched a lot of horror films, you kind of like shepherded into this like, oh, this is probably a demon child. 
all yeah. the way through it. Yeah, it feels like that, yeah. So you feel like you're in that kind of movie, and then when it unveils itself, and it's something so left field that you weren't really thinking of, it freaked me out. It was like, whoa, this isn't, this is nothing like what I was thinking. Yeah, but was it the same as the moment in Dust Till Dawn when she stands on the table and turns into a vampire? I think it's a similar type of thing, maybe not as effective. You know, sat there going, oh, so she's not a demon child. She's just a woman who looks like a child. And now she's going to try and have sex with a man. And that's really weird. And, and you're freaky. just like, ah. Yeah. Because at that time when Orphan came out, she was an 11 year old actress playing mm. this really dark, creepy thing. Right. So, right. So it was freaky and weird and interesting. And I liked it. So. Now we're, you know, years and years later, this movie's a prequel, and it's the same actress. So you're wondering, how is that possible? Because she'll be like a 22-year-old <laughs> now, right? Good question. And she hasn't really got that disease, this actress, so they have to use all kinds of tricks and techniques in this movie, which unfortunately don't always work. I think they do work sometimes. You're probably going to say no. it never works. <laughs> I was okay with it. I just had to kind of go, okay, this is bonkers i'm just gonna have to go with it how i explained this prequel to you was it's super trashy it feels trashy as you're watching it yet i enjoyed the story of it you did it also there was something that happened in this movie spoilers for this movie the first kill if you've not seen it go and see it come back well we're gonna spoil it now the first movie obviously we just explained has this Killer reveal, basically, where you're like, holy shit, how did that Killer happen? reveal. And this movie, I was like, well, okay, it's a prequel. We know where she ends up. So how can there be a twist or anything surprising about it? Because even you said, I think I know how this movie goes. Yep. Now, there's a twist in the middle of this movie that is, again, pretty effective because I didn't see it coming. And I don't think you saw it coming either. I will say this. It is the one thing about this movie that I liked. <laughs> now, the one thing. And would, that's, that's the truth. I would put this forward to you. Yeah. This movie, when that twist happens, it's pretty badass. Like, you, you can't help but think, yeah, that's pretty badass because you hid that from us completely. And we should have been picking up on it, maybe. I don't know. It's a badass twist. What I feel about that is this movie hinges on that twist. And they wanted to get to that twist so badly to reveal it, the rest of it kind of suffers. Do you get what I mean? Like yes. It, like yes. The, be the beginning part especially. Like, it's like, oh, we just got to rush it all. It's too much. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what, what? Okay, we are repeating the first movie. We're just going back and telling the exact same story. Yep. And it was kind of heavy-handed. It's like we've got this amazing twist and the rest of it doesn't matter that much. We Kind of like, just hold on. Hold on, everybody. Yeah, just we'll, hang in there. <laughs> we'll give you what you're waiting for. You just have to wait 40 minutes. And then once the twist is re revealed and it goes into like a brand new movie then because I, all bets are off. I don't off. feel like it was 40 minutes. It seemed fairly quick to me in We the haven't beginning. said what the twist is, though. Are we going to? Yeah. Okay, so the twist is... Do you want me to tell them? Yes. <laughs> so at some point... Our little Esther slash Lena, because, well, when she was at the institution in the beginning, because we open with her in an institute where she's being held for, like, criminally insane, violent people, right? Yes. Surprise, surprise. She she's escapes. very dangerous. She escapes. <laughs> so the reason they have her is 
She escapes from this institute. She looks for missing children. She's in Russia. She finds like a database of missing children, miraculously, from all over the world. Picks a young girl who she strangely resembles. And then they report back to the family, this husband and wife that we meet, that their daughter who's been missing for four years has been found. Right? Mm -hmm. So we introduce her. The mother's sort of like tentative and sort of like uptight about it. And she's putting on the extra weirdness. Like, I'm not convinced the entire time. Like... I know the truth, obviously, but it's also really bad. Like, she doesn't ever look like a child. She never looks young enough to be convincing in any way, shape, or form, right? That's one thing playing into this, my, like, how can this mother and father, how can you even pretend as writers and directors and everybody else on this film try to even pretend that this is sellable? Like, at all. It's completely ridiculous. And I'm not the person who sits and picks movies apart generally speaking, but this was terrible. It was terrible. And then you find out. Yes. At some point, the little girl finds out that this guy's investigating and has a suspicion that she's not really the little girl. She goes over, dispatches with this cop guy. And as he's sort of gurgling his last breath, someone shoots him from the side, like inside the apartment. And you're like, oh shit. Like what? And you know, it's not her. It's not Esther. And you look up and it's the mom and she like shoot, shoot, shoots, like kills him hardcore. And then she points the gun at Esther and is basically like, what the fuck are you? Who the fuck are you? <laughs> and you're like, what? Or she's like, so why did you do this or whatever? And the mom knew who she was. Well, she, she knew what knew, she was. She didn't know because then in the blank spot, she tells her and then she goes, so let me get this straight. So the mom now totally into this. She's totally aware that she's a grown woman. She killed this cop. And the mom is like, now we have to get rid of this guy. So what we find out is four years ago that the brother and the daughter had been playing or roughhousing and he kills the daughter. Accidentally. So the mom apparently dumps the daughter down the well because they're very wealthy and the mother finds herself to be very important in the world. And their family came over on the Mayflower and you just don't you don't crumble this empire, right? They're very, very rich. And she becomes like this very evil. <laughs> like, you're like, what? Are you kidding me? And then she's very cavalier about dispatching with the cop's body and the evidence. And now she's got a hold over our Esther as if to say, all I have to do is tell everybody. And then you're going back. And so you're going to play this role with me because dad has no idea about any of this. He's just glad that the daughter is back but she's not the daughter so you got that whole i was just like when she did that i was like i mean i kind of woke up my brain kind of woke up and i was like hold on so esther's meeting her match yeah she meets a match for sure yeah and that's the twist which i didn't see coming and is actually pretty good yeah i liked it you have to look past the flaw there's a lot of flaws in this movie sure and it's the stuff you mentioned about she doesn't really look like a kid. Not at all. Not even little. You can't even squint your eyes. And if you watch eyes. them back to back, like if you was watch this one first and then watched Orphan after it, it would be very weird, I'm sure. Because she was actually a child in the yeah. other one. That's why the other one's so effective. Because she is a child. And then they just make her look older yeah. for the age She puts part. some makeup on yeah. and it looks really weird. They're doing weird things at the beginning of the movie, like like Vaseline lens and... They're like yes. making like the oh lighting. Yep. I mean, it, it doesn't look very good, this movie. And 
for the especially for the first sequence in the Russian place. And I was like, why does this look so bad? And then I was like, oh, they're using like tricks. They're using like fog and smoke. And a room that wouldn't have fog or smoke in it seemed to have fog or smoke in it. And the reason is they need to hide a face a little bit. <laughs> yes. You say, well, maybe you can squint and then it'll be fine. They were trying to make you squint on yes. purpose. Even if you opened your eyes wide, it was yeah. still supposed to look convincing. And but then, it was not. It was not. It was not. And then the trick that they do mostly in this movie is they do a lot of shots of Esther from behind. And when the shots are from behind, it's a child actress. And they keep like doing it so it ingrains it into you that, oh, look, she's just a child. She's just a child. But then whenever she speaks, they do a very, very close up on her face. So if you noticed, anytime she's speaking, you pretty much see her from the shoulders up. Yeah, I noticed all of it because it was terrible. I got over it because I was like, okay, I just have to like get it in my mind. She's a 33-year-old kid. Look, I mean, she's a 33-year-old adult who kind of looks at like this, a kid. At this point, she's 31, they say. 31. We're going with that. Kind of looks like a kid. At the beginning, as it started, you said, I don't know how this mother can't see that that's not her kid Like yep. when she picks her up. But then with the twist that they do, it kind of fixes that completely. It fixes your doubts because True. She, she was picking her up knowing what, what she was doing. She knew it wasn't a daughter. Correct. That's, that was like, oh. So that's why the twist is very good. And it actually, after the fact, when you think about it, it all works. Like I say, it feels like the whole film was rushed to try and get you to that point. Then after that point, all bets are off. It's really kind of sadistic after that. Sadistic? Correct. After that. Because... This woman is like, I might try and kill you. Yeah, I'm worse than you. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a battle between them both. And then the son's also brought into it. And it ends up in a tragic climax, which, is it mentioned in the second film that she'd been with another family? Well, she's an orphan. So she's been orphaned. I think so. Like her family tragically died in a fire. Right. So they work good as a book-ended pair, but you know what? The first movie, Orphan, it's like particularly well made and quite good <laughs> and well acted and everything. And I don't feel this movie is. I, I feel there's some bad acting in this movie. I agree. Overacting. Julia Stiles at the beginning. You know when they come out of the fencing place and she's walking and talking to her husband? The dialogue, I was like, oh my God, this dialogue is really bad. Like It, it was. And why is she, you know, she's a good actress. What the hell is she saying? Like... But then it got a bit better, or did it get better, or did I just get used to it? It came and went. It was as if there were scenes where, especially the psychiatrist lady, oh my she God. She was like an, like literally like an amateur actor. Yes, sadly. I don't <laughs> even know if it was her or if it was just the lines they gave her and told her to say it like you're a freaking robot. I don't even know. It was really bad. I felt bad for her. So it's not as well made as the first movie, and part of the effectiveness of the first movie is is that it's a well-made horror movie of its time. It's got this element of, oh, is this child like a demon child? We've seen that before. Well, I never actually thought it was something else. Always thought she was a demon child. And you've got Sarsgaard in his name and Verminga. And Verminga. It's got like an element of, I don't know, a well-made movie. Whereas this one has an element of a straight-to-video kind of cheesy... Sadly. ...prequel. Having said that, I actually love the character of Esther. I find it really interesting. Which is troubling. Yeah, going back, <laughs> revisiting it again, I actually enjoyed her. 
I enjoyed that she met a match. Yes, I love that. That was terrifying because for some reason I'm like, oh, Esther, you got to sort this out. Like I'm on Esther's side. I was never on Esther's side. Well, I was a freaking psychopath. So no, I'm only on her side side. because I like her from the other movie. How would you like her? She tried to kill a child. I like her in the way that I like Freddy Krueger or or Jason. Like, (laughs) yeah, my same question. I'm not. I'm not in like with any of those characters. So I've never (laughs) understood that. I think that's a brainwashing thing. I'm rooting for Michael Myers to kill everybody. Like, I want him to kill everybody. Why? Because that's the entertainment of the movie for me. No, the entertainment is him getting caught. Watching him slasher everybody up is what I'm interested in. Oh, not me. I'm interested in the idea that there will be a comeuppance. Well, I was on... So uh, you are also a psychopath. And yes. I am f- perfectly fine. I was on Esther's side for a portion of this movie. Ew, don't be on Esther's side. <laughs> She's terrible. She killed that poor art lady for no reason. I know. All she had to do was fucking leave. But, you know. See, I don't get this emotionally attached to movies, generally. She's an iconic horror villain for me. She's not iconic. She's been in two movies. I don't know. To oh me, she's, my God. To me, she's iconic. And I've, You're I, making me lose respect for you. I look the at the, uh, <laughs> you know, the cover of this movie and... She, you know, it's very striking, her image. Yeah, but we've worn it out. We wore it out before this movie. So, in my opinion, it... I actually thought that when we started watching this movie. Surely this idea is worn out. But then when that twist happened, I was like, no, this idea isn't worn out. Maybe it is now. Agree that the twist is powerful. And you're like, I was even like, whoa, I'm impressed. It's almost clever. If it weren't for the twist, the twist is what you're hanging everything on. So Esther could be anyone... So it's not real. It's just that you've ended up with two psychopaths when Dexter moves to a town where there happens to be three other serial killers, right? Like, it's just, oh, shocking that we have found multiple Dexters in the world. So the whole thing hangs on the twist and not on Esther's actual condition, who she is, what she's doing. Right. I appreciate that. And the movie it turns into, once you find out about the twist, you're instantly like, okay, all bets are off. Who knows what's going to happen to <laughs> I mean, we kind of know how it ends up. Not 100%. We don't know who dies, who lives. We don't know how it happens. We don't know if um, she, you know, Esther gets into some severe trouble at this part. You know, it's got its elements of, what do you call it? Like gore, stabbiness. Lots of stabbiness. Yeah. Gruesome in parts. And they played on their little book a little bit too much. I assume it was in the first one. I just don't recall. Yeah, they kept going back to a little sketch slash um, diary. Her little psychopath book. Yeah, psychopath diary, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is in the second movie because I saw a screenshot from the, the first movie, actually. I saw a screenshot on IMDb from that movie, and it was her looking in that book. Right. So they did try and call back or call forward. What are they doing? This is a prequel. True. <laughs> the rules, the laws are different. So that's my um, judgment on this movie. It's really trashy. It feels trashy. It feels like straight to video kind of schlocky horror movie. But because it has a character from a movie that I'm, I really like. The problem is it's not trying to be schlock. No. I don't feel like. It's trying to be kind of sophisticated a little bit. As well, like with the rich family and the fencing. Yeah, surprisingly, she always ends up with rich people. That's very handy because then they have unlimited resources. I guess, are we saying that only rich people adopt poor orphaned Russian girls? Yeah, because it costs money, I guess. (laughs) That's some good writing right there. Isn't it? Yeah. So. It's a little bit, you know, people have 
a standard, I guess, for their horror movies. So there's like Hand That Rocks the Cradle, The Babysitter, The Fan, the, uh, what's the one with the swimmer? Is she just called the Swim s- Fan. Swim Fan. Julia Stiles. Was it? Yes, it was. Oh, well, thank <laughs> Psychotic swimmer. <laughs> then you've got like the fan who was Robert De Niro, who was a freaky psychopathic fan of Denzel Washington, not Denzel Washington, Wesley yeah. Snipes playing ball. And also, um, what's the other one with Robert De Niro, Cape Fear? Like you've got a psychopath who now, <laughs> even we did it in this movie. As soon as we see a character, we're like, oh, you're dead. Oh, you're dead. Oh, that's the weapon that's going to be used to kill the guy. Oh, there's a weapon that's going to be like, it's a formula that just sort of like, you have to go along with it. But this time, I couldn't. I enjoyed the uh, twist and I enjoyed seeing Esther in another story. And that's about it. The rest of it, I will agree, is pretty trashy. The first 15 minutes, I was like, holy shit, is this like, did this cost $12 to make? (laughs) Oh my God. Well, I, I wasn't trying to be quite that mean about it, but... And why are all these orderlies in this place she's escaping from? Just idiots. They just stand there yep. and die. That was a very poorly executed <laughs> escape story. She escapes, basically, and there's murder during the escape. But nobody really tries very hard no. to stop her. They just look at her and then die. You know, it's really... That was very poor. That was where I was like, oh, that's this is really crappy. And then it kind of got better. But then... You're just hanging in there. Yeah. <laughs> so the cast, Isabel Furman, reprises a role as Esther. And she was a child in the first movie, and now she's not a child. But pretending to be a child, what did you think of her? I mean, I'm just... I don't want to be snotty, but I didn't. I wasn't in love with her. I didn't love... And it may be, too, just how they're wanting her to be portrayed, because she's actually... a approaching middle-aged woman like she's in her how old is she 22 oh she's not i thought she was actually the age of the okay no never mind the approaching middle age (laughs) (laughs) even in her 20s it's unreasonable it's unconvincing it is and then every time she does her little twitter with her eyes and they're already trying to smooth her face like in that filter thing some weird contact lenses it looks really awful and i don't know if a lot of it's like they're telling her like don't move your head very much Don't move your face very much because we have to constantly smooth out your wrinkles. They're definitely doing that, yeah. Yeah, plus she's supposed to be 31. So you're combining the reality that she's 31 with the real reality that she's 22 and then the fake thing that she's... This is another thing I was confused about. Okay, so she's missing for four years from this family. The son was 16 in this movie. That means at 12 years old... He accidentally killed his sister. How old was the sister? We don't know. I'm because assuming they're the same age as Esther was supposed to be at that time. Right. So how old is she supposed to be is my question. Is she supposed to be 10? Is she supposed to be 12? Because if you go back four years from 12, nobody in any convincing way whatsoever could convince a father that his eight-year-old daughter has changed so drastically in four years. So I don't think that father cared. He just wanted a daughter back. <laughs> Didn't matter which one. Oh, or... yeah, I think I'm overthinking it. Yeah, I think you think. Mm. I think that father just needed his daughter back. I don't think, I think he was overlooking the fact that it probably wasn't her. Right, but then I'm, as the movie goer, I'm like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, I liked her in the action sequences in this, though. I think she's pretty terrifying when she has to be. So mm. I give her that. 
Julia Stiles as Trisha Albright. What did you think of Julia? Oh, she was fine. I mean, I generally like her, but this seemed like, why? It was uneven, her performance. You know, though. why? Why did you do this? <laughs> why did you do this movie? What compelled you? Maybe they sold it her off the show to the first one and said, look, there's this one with Vera Flaminga in it and you'll be a similar type of character. And she's like, well, that was pretty good. I'll do this. I guess. But I mean, I don't think she'd not read the script. <laughs> right. <laughs> but hey, the twist is a lot. It can, I think it probably suckered in a lot of people. We've got Rossif Sutherland, who I learned from looking him up, is Donald Sutherland's son. And he plays Alan Albright, the father. What did you think of the father? Artistic. Not, I just wasn't a fan. He was a mumbler. I don't like the sort of like voice. And then they voiced him over several times and didn't match very good. Like tonal, like a little bit of mumbler. Well, (laughs) the son was played by Matthew Fillon. He played Gunnar Albright. What do you think of the son? It was also kind of over the top, right? Kind of comic bookish. Yes. Yeah. Maybe that was the brief every day. <laughs> overact, overact, everybody. This movie's ridiculous. Just overact. It's fine. Hero Kanangua as Detective Donnan. He's not in it very much. He's not. I always like him. He is good. But yeah, he just kind of comes in and out of the yeah. movie. And directed by William Brent Bell. He directed the movie The Boy, which I believe you watched. Yes. Yes? You didn't like it, though? No. It was also like this, like very wooden and not finessed and not interesting and not convincing. The whole premise is just like, huh? Yes, I can sit down and be convinced when I'm watching Star Trek that they've gone to a world where whatever's going on is going on. I'm fine with that. But this something about these movies, I'm just like, I look around like, did we... Am I supposed to buy into this? So, He also directed the movie Stay Alive. Do you remember that one from 2006? Stay Alive. Yeah. What was the premise? For a group of teens, the answer to the mysterious death of their old friend lies within the world of an online video game based on a true story known as The Blood. I believe so. Yeah, let me tell you a funny story about Stay Alive. Funny story. I have about 20 copies of Stay Alive on DVD. <laughs> In my cupboard. And why, you ask? Why do you have 20 copies of Stay Alive? <laughs> well, at the time, they were really promoting it big time, and they sent me a whole box of them to give away, right? And I did a giveaway, and nobody wanted them. Oh, dear. I pulled all the winners out, and nobody actually, they were like, no, we're fine. Oh, that's what we're winning? Never yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. So I just got the box of them in my cupboard, so... Maybe it's a collector's item one day, or maybe not. You know what I also didn't like about this movie? The CGI fire. Yeah, it was very bad. It was like bad CGI fire, so not in the slightest was I convinced that anything was on fire. It wasn't. They didn't even set a fire. You could tell. It was just all CG. So there's this beautiful old house that they live in, and... They didn't set fire to a curtain or anything. It just did the whole thing. It's, it's just really bad looking. I think the stove had real fire on it in the beginning. Well, they just turned the stove on. That no, I mean, there, the fire that was there on the stove when it first started, I think that was real. But that shot at the end where she's walking through the hall to go to the front door and it's you like see the you picture. You and I could do that. You know, you see the picture and it cracks. Mm-hmm. 
and there's flames all over all four sides of her and she's walking. It looks like she was like on a green screen cut out and there was just like loads of fake fire around her. So IMDb reviews, what are those? Uh, there's a reviews that today you're going to be interested in what the people who did not like this movie have to say. All right. First guy says, as a huge fan of the original, I'm sad today. <laughs> I honestly never thought I'd be insulted by a movie, but here we are. The original movie is a classic masterpiece, flawlessly directed, beautifully written, remarkably acted, and with a perfect ending. Instead of giving the fans the prequel they had been waiting for 12 years, they tried to be edgy and different and give the fans exactly what they didn't want. With the idea behind the absolute mess of the story and new characters that I couldn't care less about, this should not be part of the canon. They ruined Esther's character, considering her one of the absolute best horror villains of all time. See, he's on, he's on my side. See your friend. Yeah. <laughs> the next guy said, very bad writing. This movie was unnecessary. It shouldn't have been done. Do yourself a favor and don't watch it. The whole plot of the thing, pretending to be a missing American child, was too much for me. I wouldn't say don't watch it or that it shouldn't exist. No. It's just that very specifically did not entertain me. I did not enjoy it except for that moment, that one shining moment. And I literally was aghast. I think I went, <gasps> and then I was like so excited, like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it's going to be totally different. But then it kind of was just not. And then finally, this movie is so ridiculous. I was a big fan of the original and was surprised when they came out with a sequel. Then I was upset when I started watching this dumpster fire of a movie. The special effects making the main character childlike is absolutely fireable. That person should be fired and shunned from Hollywood. How stupid do you think we are? I don't know. So this is streaming now on Paramount Plus if you want to watch it. We didn't see any extras, but I'm going to give this movie a score. I'm going to give Orphan First Kill a 5 out of 10. That's exactly what I gave it. Because I like styles and because I appreciate the like <gasps> moment and that's it. I'm giving it straight in the middle because it isn't poorly made overall. It just has poorly executed ingredients, right? Some of the cheap ingredients went yes. in Yes. I enjoyed it as an orphan, another bit of orphan, but it didn't really do massive. I mean, it didn't matter that it was made. That's bad to say, really. I would have preferred the other ones just existed now after seeing this one, and that's fine. Whoa, what? I think the problem is, 100% here, is the mystery of the first one is really cool. That mystery's gone in this one. Sure. So they introduce another thing that's a mystery. But what they introduced you, there is nothing leading up to it whatsoever. Uh-uh. It's just literally like when she jumps on the table in Dust Till Dawn, and you're like, whoa! <laughs> Spoilers! I was watching with my friend Richard. He owned a little grocery store. We took the videotapes home that night. We were watching them and we we're both sitting there and he paused and we like looked at each other. I'm like, is that did somebody splice two movies together like, <laughs> on this cheap videotape? And then we just went along for the ride. It was great. Now, I saw that one in the cinema and the poster doesn't even have the, you know, twist on it. Right. It just has like a car and the desert and them driving towards the horizon, and it, it says from Quentin Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez. I was a big fan at the time, so even seeing the poster and then going in the theater to watch it, you know, I was like, oh my God, what is this? I was like, Quentin Tarantino's not in a horror movie. What's going on? So it, that was really cool. It's hard to pull that off these days because everybody knows everything about everything before it comes out. True. Right? 
And in those days, it wasn't as easy. So that's our scores. Thank you to Paramount for letting us watch this. Next week, we're looking at the new Marvel movie, Thor, Love and Thunder. So movie recommendations, I am going on the tip of this one. I'll give you the original Orphan, which is, for me, it's like an 8 out of 10 or maybe a a 7.5, as opposed to a 5 here. And I'll give you The Exorcist, which is a 10 out of 10. I'll always give you The Exorcist (laughs) if I'm giving you horror movies. You will. My recommendations are me going back to the 90s. Now, this first one, I didn't remember it. Then I looked up and I'm like, yes, I distinctly remember the people and the scenes, but I don't remember absorbing the movie. So forgive me for that. But I'm just giving you five movies from the 90s that I've watched. I'm in 95, 96-ish years. And the first one is Lust Fagging Star. Are you uh, butchering that? Yes. It's German for something. So like a kind of like the reader, an older lady. Well, the middle-aged lady kind of gets sexually involved with the young student guy. And da, da, da. so it's a drama and, you know, highly sexualized. Like the graduate. Mm, kind of, sort of, but not with as much meaning, you know. Ah. Goldeneye, which you love. Casino, which you love. Toy Story, I don't know if you love it. And Sense and Sensibility. I don't think I've seen Sense and Sensibility. Well, you should. Hey, Scully Stuff, I've been playing a, a new game on the PlayStation 5. It's called We Are OFK. Do you know about this one, Sita? I, I know from you telling me. You haven't seen Well, maybe you've watched me. Maybe you've seen it on the screen. It's kind of cartoonish, right? Mm-hmm. What it is, it's kind of a complicated, uh, way, hard to explain game. So there's a band, i.e. musical band, called OFK. And they're a virtual band. So... The, the real people play in the instruments, but the avatars of them are characters that don't exist. So imagine the band The Gorillas, very similar to that concept. What this game is, it's the like a biopic of how they became a thing. So it's like the backstory of them going to LA. I'm talking about characters who don't exist. Mm-hmm but the people behind them really do exist and it's their story. So it's these four friends go to LA, there's five episodes in the game and each episode ends with one of their music videos and introduces you to a new song of theirs. And the song is directly tied into the emotion of that episode. So if something sad was happening, it might be a sad song. If it was about them going to a party, the song is upbeat and uptempo. And you're choosing these dialogue options you're on the cell phone texting to each other a lot and you've got to, you know, choose back and forth like what you would say back to them. And it's this, it's kind of about these 20-something people who move to LA to try and become a band and how difficult that kind of process is because everybody's doing that. Right. It plays on that aspect of it's really hard to be successful or, you know, in a band or make a movie or something creative in the creative field, how difficult it is. And if you don't know the right people, it probably isn't going to happen for you. And this game and these characters take you through like the highs and lows of all that. And I actually really kind of connected with it, even though they're 20-somethings. And I can't connect with 20-somethings from LA who drink boba tea all the time. I've told you, Sid Talk. They keep going into the boba cafe and talking about the best boba to drink and... You mean instead of the 
coffee shop where friends hung out. Yeah, it's it's kind of a spin on that, isn't it? Because it is it feels a bit sitcomish when you're playing this game, right? But more of a now like vibe. Boba going to like hip music concerts and trivia question: What was the name of the coffee shop they sat in in uh, Friends? No, no idea. No Central Perk. I never watched it. Central Perk. Right. Get it. It's episodes, each one's about 60 minutes. And it even goes as far as when you pause the game, like Netflix, you can see how long's left. Hmm. You know, so it... it, it well, plays, that's interesting. Yeah, it plays like this is an episodic series. Maybe you would watch this on, on Netflix or whatever, but you are making choices like a Telltale game. And I'm up to episode four. There's five episodes altogether. And the last episode was surprisingly emotional. It also deals with a lot of things like um, sexuality. Um, there's a trans character. There's a gay character. There's a straight character. I mean, it, it does have all people. But not all people, but I know what you're going Yeah, for. you know what I'm going It's It's kind of slick. And the characters are really well drawn and it's all animated. And weirdly... I didn't think I would like the music, but because you hear it quite a bit and you see them go into the recording studio to record the music. So you hear rough versions of them singing like the song and then you're like, oh, that song's interesting. And then at the end of the episode, you get to hear the final cut of that song. Right. And the, the music's really good. It's um, electronic music. It's got about a bit of a quirky thing to it. The game is called We Are OFK. And OFK stands for something, but I'll let you play the game to figure out what that is. So what's for dinner? Well, you requested Subway. So chances are that's what it'll be. But between now and the end result, well, there's always always room for change. Haven't been out of the house much for the last two weeks, really. So going into Subway, it seems... Annoying. Pre- high pressure. <laughs> but I never say I think I can handle it. We'll see. Because it does sound good. I like Subway. And what is your advice? And then we'll get out of here. Uh, my advice is really just an observation. And I'm not the first person to come up with this or observe this or articulate it. I'm sure people have articulated it much better than I am going to now. But there are people that you know and that I know who do not want to for you or for them or society or anyone to remove the barriers that are holding them where they are, emotional or physical or fears of success or physical things they could choose to do differently for what they claim to want in their life. Those things are removable or changeable. Not all things are. So don't get all snotty and be like, oh, but you're not, but I can't change this because, and it was terrible and I can't change this. And that was out of my control. I get it. I'm an intelligent person. However, what I'm pointing out to you are the people who, when an obstacle of such or such is in front of them, either just their view of the world is what it is, and it is a so many filters that blocks them from moving forward. They don't want to remove that because guess what happens when you do, when you break down all the shit that you thought you knew, when you quit the job you hate and now you need to go get another job or you retire from a job that you actually enjoy. This would be me. But then there's the like, oh God, I'm not going to have any money and I'm not going to have a thing. So I might as well just stay in the job. Well, that's the barrier keeping me from 
moving past that, right? A little bit of whatever the change will be will come only if I have to remove that because I want to go past that. I don't want to stay where I'm put in this sort of super secure, whatever. I want past that. So I'm going to remove that barrier. barrier. I will retire and then be like, okay, world, (laughs) let's see what you got next, right? I will confront emotions that I am not, or ideas, even political ideologies, religious ideologies. I may not become marinated in them where it soaks into me and now becomes part of who I am, but I'm willing to think about it. And in order to communicate with other people that I do want to move forward with in life, right? I don't want to reject people because I don't see things the way they do. Now I can keep that barrier up and be like, well, I don't even want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about that shit with that person because they're going to piss me off and I'm done. Well, then I'm not moving. I don't want to move forward. So don't remove that barrier for me. Don't take away. If someone that I'm not sure about comes up and says, hey, let's just, let's have a conversation. Let's talk. If I refuse, that's me keeping the barrier saying, I don't want to move forward. I don't want to move out of this spot. So people, some people might claim that they want to do better or different or change perspectives or get past a barrier. But the fact is, if you remove it, they won't know who they are. And so they hang on to it very tightly. So, All right. Thank you for that. AceGully.com is this website you can get this podcast. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram are the social media networks we're on. AceGully and SidTalk. Anchor.fm slash after the show. Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that podcasts are available. Amazon Music even. You can also email feedback to me, ascully at ascully.com. Do not email SidTalk. She doesn't want your email. And finally, Stay Classy, the Orphan series. I don't think we're going to see any more from the Orphan series. And I'm going to say, think for yourself, because if you're not doing it, someone's doing it for you.